This is Lizzie from the Westerverse. These are the campaign diaries for the Guardians of Fahal. And today we're talking about episode 26, also known as Songs from the Heart, in which is tradition of the Guardians of Fahal campaign, where the characters sit around and talk about things and stories, which is fun. Uh, it's kind of funny that just seems to keep happening in this game. Um, yeah, so like just a little recap. This is a continuation of their camping trip. Um before the fighting pits. Um, and basically, I kind of wasn't sure how long they would take doing this. Um, I actually thought they could potentially get to the fighting pits uh, this session. But they they took their time with like role-playing and having moments together. So it was fine. Uh, I was happy that I had kind of prepared some stuff for them to do like a little poker game skill challenge. Um, and you know, that's fun. That's fun. So we're going to talk about all that today. It's weird. So I've kind of been listening. I've been in my game recently because these are where the airing schedule is. We're a little bit farther ahead. And um, there's been a sense of, oh, you know, like some some players are like, oh, it's kind of like nice that we've just had a little bit of chill time and that, you know, we've been able to kind of take it day by day, like a little bit more slice of lifey. Others are like, I'm ready to kind of do something that's more plot related. And it feels like a very difficult, um, it's a weird thing as a DM because sometimes you're like, you've got plot stuff prepared and you're like, uh, you got it waiting in the background, but you don't want to like, uh, just hand it to them and then they kind of want to fill their time with like side things. And and that's okay. It's kind of a bouncing act because like it feels like players tend to want to pursue the main plot, but they don't always know what is the main plot. So when they don't feel like they clearly have the the trail on something, they'll fill it with something else. Um and I definitely feel like for this uh, episode that is the case they weren't really sure like oh what we're gonna get out of the fighting pits they kind of just slowed down and had a little bit of like a slice of life episode which if you don't know what that is if you don't watch anime um that's normally like slice of life is a genre where it's basically there's no like fantasy like the characters are in the real world and they're dealing with like real world problems um and I think that this episode and many episodes of Guardians of Fall call fall into that camp, but also in, in most D&D games, because, you know, who doesn't want to give your fictional character a life where they go out shopping and follow their hobbies, since none of us have time to do our hobbies in real life anyway. So some general thoughts. Um, what I did was I knew that they, uh, I wanted to give them the option of stuff that they did for the evening other than just talked. So kind of looking into like, you know, what did people in a medieval setting or around that time do to entertain themselves? And there was a lot of like games and then there was a lot of like dance and then there was reading um, if you were, if you were able to read. Uh, so there's like a lot of activities that they could choose from. And I felt like having a card game was very appropriate and it's nurturing. Uh, Rowan's gambling addiction. Um, one of these days, I actually want to try to come up with some sort of game in the world. Like it's a like my own version of like chess, my own version of a card game, my own version of something. Uh, and I don't really actually, I don't mind games. I don't really study game development or anything like that. But I kind of feel like it would be 
fun to do. Maybe I'll consult Josh on it since he's much more of the one who I could see building his own game. Oh, yes. Uh, poor Una cannot seem to play Song's song very well. She has a very hit or miss time um, with actually playing that song on her flute in front of other people. Normally when she's by herself, she does okay. But like when there's other people around, it always, it always goes south, um, which is... It's so sad and funny. She gets performance anxiety, I guess. Um, probably, like, I should have actually, on that note, Una really should have had a point of exhaustion. Or, like, I should have had a roll to see if she got exhaustion from, like, doing all that mad sc spell scribing in her notebook. Um, you know, as a... Because she's got the ritual casting feat. But I kind of forgot about it. Because technically she should have been burnt out. <laughs> ah, well. C'est la vie. Uh, so another thing I wanted to kind of comment on is the dances. Uh, this is something like, you know, a lot of people like before TV, before radio, like, and not everyone could read. A lot of people would kind of just do dances. Like they'd have somebody playing an instrument or whatever, and then other people would dance. And I found this really fun. I like dancing actually a lot. I kind of wish that we had a lot more of like the older style dances that you could learn as much as I love freestyle dances. But I, I kind of wish there was like a, well, I guess they do exist. Like when you go to a wedding, someone puts on like the Macarena or like somebody puts on the cha-cha slide or the electric slide or like, you know, out here, a really popular one is, um, is a country song, Copperhead Road. Everyone gets up and dances to like the routine for it. And I think that's fun and all. I kind of wish that they were a little bit more like the older style medieval dances where you like, you know, you'd come in and like you'd have your hands and then you'd kick a foot out and then like, you know, hey, nani nani. I don't know. Like I... <laughs> <laughs> or like I I really like Regency era stuff. I'm I am a Pride and Prejudice nerd. Um and like I I love when they go to the balls because like those dances are always like you have a partner, but then there's always like crossing between other partners and as a storyteller, I feel like that leads to like great drama because you could have somebody that you're trying to avoid on the dance floor but you're dancing with somebody else that you really like, but you don't actually you're not actually partnered with them, so you get like these crossing uh moments with them, you know, it's it's very it's very fun. I don't know. I like it. But anyway, uh, so with dancing, um, I was trying to figure out what kind of dances would exist in this world because there's a lot of other influences. And medieval dances, um, there's different types of dances, but a lot of times like folk dances and dances that were in court um, were regulated by the church. Now, the the folk dances usually kind of like the country dances kind of got away with being a little bit more raunchy because, you know, they were just everyday people like the church was could shame them for it. But hey, man, we got this tradition every year with the Maypole and, you know, it's OK. Like we're, it's OK that people are like touching directly and blah, blah, blah. So um, they had a harder time right like regulating that. Um, but n court dances, which were kind of like, you know, the courts were supposed to be more elevated and more refined. They would have a lot more strict rules and they didn't touch usually as much. Um, but I thought about it and I'm like, well, okay, but this culture doesn't have the same thing about purity in the same way that like, I would say the Catholic church during the time of, medieval ages did. So like there wasn't so much restriction 
and like you can't touch each other while you're dancing because that's sinful. Like there are certain things where like chastity is valued in women because patriarchy, but like there's there's not as much of like okay you guys can't touch because that's that's inviting the devil in and you don't want to do that. So um, I kind of was going back and forth. I'm like I think there would be a lot more of like how in later eras there would be dancing closer together. And I really, okay, so I don't know if this dance is historically accurate, but in Shakespeare in Love, which is, I, I enjoyed the movie, there's a scene where they have, like, a dance, um, and this is granted, like, the 16th century, but there's, like, a, like a move where, like, they kind of go around in a circle, and then there's, like, a little lift they do, and I just, I really like that as a dance. I think that's fun. So that's what the, the one that Rhiannon was trying to teach them, uh, you know, and she wants, like, it unfortunately does not dirty dancing like lift over the head though that would have been amazing i should have <laughs> i should have had him try that and like roll a strength check um but yeah so dancing is fun i love it uh i'm hoping post covid uh when life resumes again since um i've been pretty strict about not going out and dancing i i hope that like i can go out and do some dancing somewhere um even if it's just frolicking through a field though i guess i could do that now I can't do that now. It's winter. So I can't do that now. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. I liked seeing them engage with these ideas of hobbies. You know, like what what would be popular hobbies at the time and how their characters interact with them. Um, and then, of course, they got to do scary stories, which personally, we never really did scary stories around the fire. And I don't know if I'm just weird. Like, I don't know if other people did that, but I guess that's kind of something you do. So yeah, they sit around and do creepy stories and, and, and Nora and Rowan start talking about their village. Uh, I think it's super, super funny that they completely for like the way they were talking about it, This has happened quite a few times in the game, uh, where they did this and, and this happens in, okay. So in our one friend's game we're in, where like, we are meeting with really important figures and everybody in the party will just talk to the group in character in front of these people. And they'll say things that make us look bad. Um, and I will try, and they do it deliberately in character. It's not like an above table, below table, like above table conversation, player to player. It's purposely in character. And it's so funny. Cause I'm like, you guys, we look like a bunch of fucking dumbasses. <laughs> Why are we doing this? But it's really common in D and D to do that. Um, and it's just super funny, like, cause like they started talking about their village and letting more information out about it. And Rhiannon, who's there, just always assumed they were from the Fey realm or from Feyen, where a lot of like the Fey that have immigrated over live. And she's just like, oh, you're from a really interesting, but okay. I, I guess I've been on the secret now. And they're all like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. I forgot you were here. Uh, <laughs> please don't say anything. It's important. Uh, don't worry, she won't. She's got a lot of secrets. Um, actually, speaking of that, uh, let's talk about the song. So I have been toying with writing songs in my game for a while. Um, and I, I have a couple other ones where I have like a few verses kind of mapped out. But this one was the first one that I actually spent time trying to put music to. Um, so, and I specifically tried to make it 
Um, well, okay. So I, I like writing songs. I never was really good at writing poetry. Like actually when I was an English major, like poetry was the one class I didn't do well on and homework assignments, like they were just never as good, um, as writing regular prose, like short stories, novels. It's just not my thing, but unfortunately writing songs is something I really enjoy. Um, I love reading about like songwriting and music composition, um, I really like musicals and I really like how musicals as a genre can kind of transcend day-to-day conversations and interactions and you can convey so much emotion, like internal emotion from a character that you normally wouldn't get within like the span of three minutes because of a song. I think that's really cool. Um, so I kind of like, I've always had this thing of like liking music and wanting to write it. Uh, I, I did play piano for like eight nine years and I haven't played it since I was like 16. So I've completely, I've almost completely forgotten how to do it. But, um, and I played clarinet for like four years. So like I, I have music in my background. Um, but I, I really liked the idea of writing a song for Rhiannon because she's a bard. Um, but also it kind of being like, what kind of song could I write that would be, interesting and I thought about writing one about like the world lore and history and stuff like that and I was like I I have some of those in my background but for her song I wanted it to be more about like insight into her as a character like as a as an NPC they interact with regularly um and so I I basically Wanted to kind of also tip my hands towards some other things that might be plot related later that will come up in another episode way in the future. Sorry, guys, you got to wait. But anyway, I so I I wrote it down and I had it and I kind of had a melody in my head. Like I on Google, there's like a keyboard, like a free keyboard. And I was kind of playing around with it to make up some like notes. I couldn't make full chords, but it was like, okay, this note, all right, let's put like a, this is a B minor or something like that. And I actually, I think I have it written down somewhere, but it was kind of like the, uh, I didn't, I didn't have it super correct. Cause I was like, I don't know if I really need to do this, but it came up and I was like, well, I guess I got to do it. Cause I, I did it. I, I wrote this down. I have the lyrics, so I'm just going to go for it. Um, so that's, that was me singing. Um, I'm not like professionally trained at singing, but I did do choir. So I feel like I wasn't too off key. Um, But yeah, anyway, so I thought it was interesting because I also like how with songs, especially with certain musicians, like, all right, I'm going to say this, uh, whether or not you like Taylor Swift, uh, she's one of those well-known artists that is notorious for writing songs from her perspective in her life, like, you know, um, and writes from her experience. And I feel like that's kind of what this song was like, uh, that I wrote. Um, and it was just me kind of getting in the headspace of this character that, and and knowing about their life and stuff and kind of trying to put it in there. So there was a little bit of spoilers, but I honestly like, uh, I like foreshadowing and most of the players don't pick up on it anyway. So I seem to be safe. Uh, I do love how once the song was complete, like they, like Hans and Franz Josh's character had to ask Sureblood for his opinion. Like, like he has to like clarify like hey you know like is this okay with you like you know do you agree with this like he's got to speak for all the celestial horses um and the horse like (laughs) 
<laughs> like Sherblood knows everything and he knows what every single individual celestial horse thinks. Like, hey, does that sound accurate? Uh and anyway, I I, I gave tried to give Sherblood like a generic answer. Cause Sherblood probably wasn't paying attention fully. Like, cause Sherblood you know, is doing his own thing, living his best life as a horse. Uh, he's not necessarily paying attention to what they're talking about all the time. Um, he's focused on other stuff. But yeah, I just like that that Josh is like, hey, I need to know your opinion on this. <laughs> like, is this song feel true? Never mind that it's written from her personal experience and in interpreting a myth. I need to know, is this true? Oh, it's, it's super funny. Um... Otherwise, the rest of the episode, they kind of did some final prep work. They said goodbye. They wrapped up their camping trip. It's nice that they're so attached to her as an NPC. And I know that they have some other attachments, but they're not quite as deep. So I'm hoping, like, for other other NPCs, I can kind of work that in. Um, I love... Okay. So, yeah, of course, I love the sending stones. Not just because of the teasing about, ha-ha, make it a ring. That's great. Um, but because that gives me so many opportunities as a DM to use that as a plot hook someday. Um, like, like I, I've already got a couple ideas in my head of, like, like not traumatic, uh, climactic moments where it's like, you know, they think they're going to be doing one thing and then they get like an SOS. Like I have a couple things where I'm like, this is great. This is so great. Um, and I, I can't see it like necessarily backfiring hundred percent of the time. But one thing that's also good is it gives me way more opportunities to pull them into noble nonsense, considering there's like a one way, um, like a one way, once a day, back and forth between the two of them. And they have to be really smart with what they say, because if they need to meet up, they need to specify, are we going to meet up here and then get a confirmation from the other person and, like, the time. Otherwise, that could go really... That could be rough. Um, so, and... Like, there's access... Rihanna has access to sending scrolls, but they're also cataloged. Like, when, when students take scrolls, um, they are cataloged. So, yeah. Anyway, um... One other thing, too, is because they're deepening this friendship with one noble, that means I have to find a way to have them go to a ball in the future. And this is not just um, because, you know, I want it. It's because I also know Sam wants it. Sam has told me, like, I really hope they get to go to a ball and then Nora gets to, like, get a fancy dress and, like, you know, they get to have some opulent dinner or whatever that they go to. And it's just, like, it'll be fun. And I'm like, yeah, I could see that happening maybe in a couple ways. But, like, it, it just depends on their actions. But I think they're on the right path for that happening. Um. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's other things which are great. One is the Sending Stones message from Nora and Rowan's parents. Oh, my God. I was counting the days of when they would finally get a response, and it was so fun. I thought about how they would respond and how I wanted it to be an instance where you can see their personalities a bit, kind of like the letters were. And I was just so excited that I finally got to have them arrive. So yeah, there's another potential opening of like Nora and Rowan having a co direct communication with their parents where it's like, hey, come to home. Something's happened. Like, you know, there's just all these little sending stones give me such opportunity to like, you know, amp up the drama and whatever. But also because it's restricted by how many words you can use, you can't like, you know, just get tons of details. So there's like a, oh God, we got to go now and learn what's on the way when we get there. Oh God, mystery. It's it's great. It's so great as a DM. Uh, sending can be kind of 
incredibly broken when your players have it and they just try to message your NPCs. I do that in a game where I'm a cleric. And uh, if you watch Critical Role, one of the clerics does it. And it's amazing because if she has extra words, she always says dumb things like doot, 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 or asks like if they're on the toilet. It's super great. Uh, but yeah, I, I love all these sending stones. They give me so many ways to try to like fuck with the players. And that's great. Um, Honestly, that's basically all my notes for this. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, give us a like on Patreon or share it on social media or comment. Uh, We really appreciate it. Um, Next time, again, we're going to be going down the fighting pits hole. And oh God, I think that those, those episodes are some of my favorite because they're just so funny and they didn't go as I expected at all. So see you next time, adventurers. Have a good one.